Uh, guys, I want to uh, begin with an apology. I, I put it on Grace on line, um, but I really felt so badly about um, our neglecting uh, Sunday morning, which is the uh, national day in remembrance of the um, Roe v. Wade decision about abortion. And I plan to say this again, but I, I just, I said on, online, I don't want anyone to ever wonder where Grace Van is when it comes to the issue of abortion. I don't want it to ever be a, a thought in your mind. I, it's very clearly, we, uh, we hold to this very firmly that abortion is the murder of the unborn. And we're doing everything that we can, well, not everything, but we're doing things that we think uh, will, will roll back that, that scourge. So uh, I usually say that once, at least once a year, and I missed it this past Sunday, and I've felt badly about it ever since. Um, guys, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you know that what we're doing is a little five-week thing on, um, on assurance. And um, this is number four. We'll do the, the last one, Lord willing, next week. But tonight I want to talk to you about hindrances to assurance. Um, to get us started, I want to read you a portion of a psalm. That is written, and if you're one of those folks that thought that David wrote all the Psalms, he didn't. There are several contributors to the book. Contributors to the book of Psalms. This man's name is Asaph, and I want you to hear um, the cry of Asaph's heart here. He says, "In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted." Listen to this. I remembered God, and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. He can't sleep. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song of the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast me off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Wow. I mean, guys, how do you get there? That is, how do you get yourself? I mean, how does, how does this happen to someone who who names the name of Christ, will we'll say. A believing man is in a, is in a juncture in his spiritual experience where he says, I remember God. And, and you know, us little fundies, we would say, I remember God and everything got better. I remembered God and all was well. I remembered God and hope, hope was restored. no. He says, I remember God and was troubled. How do you get here? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Um, the sons of Korah, those were the guys that led the worship in the temple. They got there too. Let me read you this. This is Psalm 88. For my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near the grave. You, <clears throat> guys, get this. You have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness in the depths. 
Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. That was written by the guys who lead worship. How do you get there? Well, again, we're not told. But I guess, guys, really, the more important question is, how does one get out? If you are there, how do you get out of there? If you're, um, if you're following me, go back to Psalm 77. Um, Asaph has said all these things that, of lament. And then he says, after verse 9, he says in verse 10, And I said, this is my anguish. Here we go. Here's his first steps out. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and talk of, uh, talk of all your deeds. Um, guys, did you notice anything in there that was repeated? The idea of remembering was repeated four times. Actually, remembering was mentioned three. Meditate was mentioned one. Um, my, I guess my, my favorite psalm in the, the whole of the hymn book or the psalm book is Psalm 119. And David says this, your testimonies also are my delight. And he says, and he adds, and my counselors. Your testimonies. Oh, I delight in them. But they're my counselors. Guys, the first step out. Well, I tell you what, let me, let me back up. Let me tell you what the hindrance. I've got four hindrances to assurance. And here's number one. It's a neglect. It's a laziness. It's a carelessness over God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know the extremes to which God has gone to get us this book? And do you think that I'm the only one that's supposed to study it because I get paid to? I'm saying that one of the hindrances to assurance is a neglect, a laziness, and a carelessness with respect to God's word. So, as the psalmist in Psalm 77 said, here I am and life is awful. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and meditate on all your works. I'm going to go back and meditate on all your ways. Guys, um, because I was trying to um, make sure that I don't have you skipping all over the Bible, what I did was I, um, I took several texts and I've got them on a sheet of paper here. I'm just going to write the text up because... What I'm saying is that one of the hindrances to assurance is a neglectful soul when it comes, when it has to do with this book. So, um, the psalmist in, in Psalm 77 says, okay, okay, I'm in a mess. How do I get out? I'm going to go back and remember. 
I'm going to meditate on all of his works, all of his ways, all of his words. So, I ask you this, my dear brother and sister in Christ. Have you seriously and frequently pondered statements like these? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of your own struggle, did you meditate on that? Um, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is Exodus 34, 6, and 7. Uh, how about this one? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to... Listen to this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Do you think in the midst of a low time that that would encourage you? That he knows our frame and he remembers that we're but dust? Uh, Again, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, have you seriously and frequently pondered Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14? How about this? Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. Do you think that would encourage you in the midst of your loss of assurance? I think it would. It's Isaiah 30. 30. Verses 18 and 19. Have you, when was the last time when you fixed your attention on something like this and like some, like Asaph did in Psalm 77, said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to remember all his ways, all his works, all his words, and I'm going to meditate on them. Have you meditated on any of these lately? How about this one? This is in uh, Jeremiah chapter three. Jeremiah three. Um, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Or this. um, Micah, chapter 7. This is just, this is so rich. I don't know where that thing came from. Um, He says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins in the depths of the sea. Have you, my dear brother and sister in Christ, 
frequently, lately, meditated on promises such as these. Tell me this. Have you frequently, lately, deeply meditated on the scene that we find in Luke chapter 15 when the father picks up his skirts and runs down the road to, to, to welcome the prodigal son home? <clears throat> or how about this? This is 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that is, that is in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. You think you're bad? You are. We are. But Paul says, not as bad as me. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost sinner, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're laying in bed one night and he is holding your eyelids open like Asaph's, and you're wondering, am I a Christian? I, I know I've got all this sin. You know, this might help you. When was the last time that you meditated on promises such as these and hundreds like them? You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's the statement. There's a statement in the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 8, verse 30, where Isaiah says, To the Lord, or to the, to the law and to the testimony. He calls Israel and he says, All right, get up. Let's go to the law and to the testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the hindrances to assurance is a neglect, a laziness, a carelessness over God's word, and the, and the way out. Is to the law and to the testimony. It is, um, <clears throat> it is to give diligence. It is to give attention. It is to meditate, not read, not even study, but meditate. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen. Meditate and let these promises roll over your soul. All right, guys, that's, that's the first hindrance. We got four, a, a neglect of God's word, basically. Here's the second one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <clears throat> Only here at Grace of Anne, can you? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> would somebody get their name and... Um, and I could use them for a sermon illustration. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to look over there. I'm not even going to look. Um, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> Where was I? I mean, uh, am I at Starbucks? No, I'm at church. Um, okay. Guys, here, here's, the, here's the second hindrance to the assurance that I want to mention. It's mistaking feelings as being or putting feelings in a place that they become the judge of your spiritual condition. Um, gang, the shallowest part of your existence is your feelings. And God is doing a work in the deepest part of you. People, people talk like this. They say, well, you know, my, my feelings got hurt because 
you know, fill in the blank, because I got neglected. Uh, you know, I got uh, slighted. Well, let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, your feelings need to be brought under the scrutiny. Is that a legitimate feeling? Well, I got angry because, you know, somebody, mm-hmm. okay, bring that feeling and allow it to be scrutinized by the scriptures. Is it a legitimate anger? Probably not. Did somebody legitimately hurt your feelings? You know, ladies and gentlemen, that is, that is so, that statement, you know, when I got my feelings hurt, I'm going to say, well, who gives a flip? Gang, there's, there's, there's such a thing as an offense given. There's another thing called an offense taken. And when my feelings got hurt, because I got neglected, you know, because, you know, the pastor walked up and down the aisle and he didn't say hello to me. And I think, what are you saying? <clears throat> Gang, that whole feeling side of your life, that whole emotional side of your life can never be the, the gauge of your spiritual condition. All of those, that emotional side of you. Um, <clears throat> even, even the rational faculty that we possess, that too has got to be scrutinized by the scriptures. People say, <clears throat> well, it seems to me that, stop right there. I don't care what it seems to you. What we've got to ask is, is my reason in line with the dictates and precepts and testimonies of this book? So we can never err by allowing our, our emotional feeling side of us to become the judge of our spiritual condition. And so the way to correct that is back to the law and to the testimony. Here's the third one. The third hindrance to assurance. Let let me just use a good old southern evangelical term, worldliness. Can I read you this? Proverbs says, this is um, Proverbs 23. Um, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Guys, one of the hindrances to assurance is your pursuit of worldly comfort. Our pursuit of worldly comfort. We're going to make as much money as we can possibly make. And the book of Proverbs says, when your eyes are fixed on it, it'll be gone. It suddenly sprouts wings and it sprouts, it flies away like an eagle toward heaven. Well, it also becomes a hindrance to assurance. You know what the book of Ecclesiastes says? Vanity. Vanity of vanities. Um, I would say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the, um, the way to get out of that is to repent of your sin. Now, here's the last one, and I want to spend some time, and we'll quit. Um, um, neglect of the scriptures, 
allowing my emotional life to become the judge of my, my, my status, worldliness, and here's number four, some kind of secret sin. <clears throat> you have found a way to justify it, and thus you refuse to give it up. Dare I say it? Among men, porn seems to be a pretty big issue among professing Christians. You know, <clears throat> I, I don't know about you women. In fact, after I'm done here tonight, maybe you could come correct me and tell me, um, um, I, I don't think women are into porn, I, I, but maybe you are. I, um, I mean, you certainly don't come and tell me about it. Hey, Dr. Young, you know, I'm really into porn. <laughs> but men do tell me that. Um, but guys, um, ladies, I don't know what you're into. Maybe it's just pure fantasy. Maybe it's reading a smutty little novel that you can fantasize. Over. I, don't, I don't know. But the, the, what I'm saying is that the fourth hindrance to assurance is some secret sin that you rationalize and justify and refuse to give up. You know, guys, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, I think you know it. Uh, Jesus says, if your right eye offends you, for God's sake, pluck it out. If it causes you to stumble, get rid of it. Listen to this statement um, in the book of Proverbs. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Listen to this one, Psalm 32, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Listen to that. When I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat, as the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Okay, guys, here's why I want to close. I want to give you six steps as to how to get out of that, that secret sin. That is, how do I win over my secret sin? Again, before I, before I start giving you these six, let me say this. None of this is automatic. None of it is formulaic or, or, or even certain. But it might help. In, the, in, in your own wrestling with your secret sins. Number, number one, drag the silly thing out into the light. Call it what God calls it. Guys, I think you know this, the, the, the text in First John. It says, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we confess our sins, the Greek word that's, that's translated confess is the word homologel. <clears throat> um, that's what you call a rough breed, so you can put an H out there. Homologo. Homo. Um, like. Legato. Or same. Say the same thing that God says it is. Whatever it is, drag it into the light and call it what God calls it. Confessing sin, ladies and gentlemen, is that we call the silly thing what God calls it. We don't call fornication 
sowing wild oats. We call it what the scriptures call it, for heaven's sakes. We drag it into the light and we remove the secrecy of the whole thing and shine some biblical truth on it. That's the first thing. Secondly, here's something that might help. View the sin in the light of eternal judgment. That is, picture yourself doing whatever it is that you're doing in God's presence. There you're standing before him and you got the computer on and you know, you know, you're where you are. View it in the light of eternity. Third, focus on the opposite. Um, If I'm a pathological liar, then focus on truth-telling. Focus on the opposite. If If you're into, focus on purity. Fourth, access the means of grace. Gang, I think I've said this to you before. But when I, um, when I come to try to examine my own soul, you know, I fall short every time I turn a page in this thing. Um, when I measure my soul against this, I don't come out too good. But there is one place in here where I know that it describes me. Or in a good way. <laughs> there's several places that describe me in a bad way, you know. But uh, there's one place that I know of. It's in the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can call me anything you want to call me. Loud mouth, obnoxious, arrogant. All those are true. It's all true. But I'll tell you something else that's true. I hunger and thirst for righteousness. We, we try to access the means of grace. We, we, we um, have a desire. We have a an appetite for holy things. You know, there, there's this wonderful statement that, um, when, you know, when Mary, it sounds like Mary finds out that she's pregnant and she sings this song in Luke one called the Magnificat. Um, one of the statements in the Magnificat is he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty handed. So you got some secret sin, do you? I'm sorry. The consequences will not, you'll not escape them. Now, but forgiveness is available. But the consequences, you know, um, if I got a drinking problem, I'm not going to get away with that. Um, there's going to be consequences of my drinking problem. I don't have a drinking problem, by the way. But anyway, if I've got one, then, um, but the text says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Hunger after thirst, uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and the promise is he will fill it with good things, but he will send the rich away empty-handed. Don't need any problems. I got it. I, I don't need any help. He sends those away empty-handed. It's the hungry. It's the people who say this has got to stop. I long, I long to be right. I long to be rid. I long to be clean. I long to be over this. I long to have it stop tormenting me. 
Fifthly, um, you need to avoid or prevent all occasions that lead up to this sin. Um, you know, First Thessalonians 5 said that we are to abstain from every form, not just every evil, but every form of evil. I am to avoid all occasions that lead me up to this sin. I, I've used this little story before, but let's say you work here and the, 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 the problem is alcohol you got. I mean, and, so, and there's a liquor store um, here and my house is here. And so I get off work and I have to go right by the liquor store. And every time I get close to that liquor store, there's just something inside that says, come on in and get you a little something to drink, you know? Um, and, and it's right on my way home. So I got to, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just God's will that I go in there. Because it's right on my way home. And, you know, then I get to go on home once I've, you know, had my little stop. If that thing's in, in the way, then, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to find another way home. You've got to avoid all occasions all the things that lead up to the sin. I cannot imagine somebody wrestling around with porn and still loving computers. The dang thing is ruining you. Get rid of it. Oh, I gotta have it. Okay, you got to have it over at the office where maybe they've got some kind of control so they can see where you've gone, Hopefully. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't need one at home. Well, I got a shop. I said that for my wife's sake. Um, uh, not that she has a porn problem. Uh, <laughs> but you got to have one of those things to shop on. You know, I, I get it. G- gang, all of the means that lead up to my sin. You know, that may mean that tonight <clears throat> you're going to need to go home. You have to pour some stuff out. Gang, when, when the gospel swept through, I, um, I, I, I forget, I think it was Laodicea. Uh, I forget. But uh, people had all these books, these books on magic. And you remember what they did with them? They had a big bonfire. And they threw all their books and they burned all their books up. Because that thing was really, a, you know, a, a stumbling block. It certainly was a hindrance to assurance, wasn't it? <laughs> so we got rid of them. Gang, stop your whining about your lack of assurance if you're not willing to deal, to pluck out the right eye that causes you to stumble. It would be a real surprise to me if you still are holding onto this thing, whatever it is, <clears throat> and... Um, and have assurance. I got to read you this. This is this is such an interesting. This is in um, the book of Jude. We don't often refer to the book of Jude, <clears throat> but let me read. This is Jude twenty-two and twenty. And on some of them uh, have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Well, that night, you know when I, you know. Uh, 
when I had my affair, you know, I had this on. I had a, I had a nice purple sweater on, you know, and I really looked good. <laughs> Jude says, hating even the garments. I hate the garments that had some kind of contribution to my sin. Gang, that's the way we deal with our sin. The, the, the last thing that I would mention, well, um, let me say one other thing. <clears throat> you are never safe. You are never safe until the occasions, the means to the sin are eliminated. If alcohol is a problem, you're never safe until it's out of your house. And by the way, I'm not even sure you're safe then, but I mean, if you're going to keep it in your house, whereas others who don't have that problem might, might be able to keep it in their house, but not you. Now you've abused it. And therefore, every means, every occasion, every um, piece of assistance that takes me to my sin, it's got to go. And gang, that's the way that people who are serious about dealing with their sin operate. They don't, they don't trifle. Um, I'm simply saying that one of the things, one of the hindrances to assurance is some secret sin. Okay, let's get rid of that as a hindrance to assurance. And the way that you get rid of that is these five steps. And I, I add this last one. You, you can never underestimate the role of the Holy Spirit. The, you know, um, unless God the Holy Spirit grants you spiritual energy, you'll never get it. So we beg him. But guys, um, the Holy Spirit tends to respond to people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If that's you, then I think you can count on his assistance. So we hunger and thirst, and the promise of the scriptures is he fills the hungry with good things. The neglect of the scriptures, um, banking way too much on my emotional side of my life, worldliness and secret sin, four hindrances to assurance, and the solutions I hope I've given you. Let's quit. <clears throat> our Father, um, would, you, would you assist us in our efforts um, to deal with our sin? It is our sin that separates us from you. It's our sin that um, prevents us from enjoying you. Uh, people who have been uh, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, we have found ourselves believing lies and getting ourselves in a mess, big messes. And so now, Father, um, as we consider why it is that we so struggle with assurance, if it's some of these things, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us that we have walked so far from a path of righteousness, our intention is to get back, is to get back to a path that's marked off by holy living. We, of course, understand that apart from your Holy Spirit, it will never happen. So, Holy Spirit of God, grant us more grace as we seek to become more like the Savior, eliminating these secret sins and finding that our souls are refreshed 
and our souls sense that we are safe. We commit ourselves to that and we do so, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ.